We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week, we'll be discussing mobile esports. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Matthew Mobile Matt Rutledge. Matt is the director of mobile gaming at Complexity Gaming. In this role, he handles all of the organization's competitive mobile gaming teams. Complexity Gaming received an investment from Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. Matt, thanks for joining us. Justin, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to today. My pleasure. Um, so to briefly introduce the topic a little, we're now exploring mobile gaming and the esports scene around it. So what is mobile gaming? Pretty much in most of the competitive landscape, PC and console-based esports have dominated. However, recently there's been a, a shift to competitive mobile gaming where individuals are actually competing on their smartphone or tablet. Um, in fact, in you know 2018, Nico Partners is an organization that stated that the global mobile esports revenue was, you know, $15.3 billion. And in fact, in 2019, they said that there's around 2.5 billion mobile gamers worldwide compared to, you know, about a billion PC gamers and 500 million console gamers. So clearly, you know, when you look at the numbers, you have more than double the amount of PC gamers and five times the console gamers, which really kind of shows you the level and size of this kind of sector. So one, some of the reasons it kind of grew was, you know, everyone's kind of really easy access to phone and tablets and all these things because most people are usually glued to it. And then really kind of the expansion of like 4G and kind of the development of 5G wireless networks really made it possible for individuals to kind of compete at high speeds kind of wherever they are across the globe and you didn't need to have to be on a high-speed Wi-Fi or, you know, connected to be able to actually play. So as a result of this, 
there's actually been a nice competitive circuit in mobile esports that has been developing. Um, one pretty big game is PUBG Mobile, which is kind of an outshoot from the traditional PUBG world. And even a bunch of organizations have been signing teams to compete in these competitions. Additionally, Supercell's Clash Royale and Brawl Stars are, you know, really big mobile games that are actually going to be televised as part of Turner Sports E-League, and some of their competitions will be featured in some of DreamHack's um, events. And then really kind of the cream of the crop in the mobile world is Arena of Valor, and in China it's known as Honor of Kings, and this game is, you know, one of the world's largest and most downloaded game, and they have a huge, you know, prize pool and... For instance, last year, the World Championship Cup had, you know, a $2.3 million prize pool. And, you know, it's just kind of growing. And will actually, some of the competitions will be part of ESL's events. So, you know, that really kind of shows the level that this competitive competitions have got to. So now we know a little bit more about what's going on in mobile esports. Matt, tell us a little about your previous experience and kind of what you're working on now. Sure. So I actually got into mobile esports on the business side. I was working at the time as entrepreneur in residence for a tech incubator called Village 88 um, and got the nod to start a uh, startup with our in-house development resources. Um, and of course, being a big gamer, I, I chose to launch a esports company. Um, and that positioned me at that time about three or four years ago um, as one of the first uh, endemic companies in mobile. I chose Clash Royale as the game to uh, launch that company just because that's a game that I played personally and knew very well. I'd be able to get the company off on the right foot. Um, and through that, I actually started the first uh, contracted professional team in Clash Royale, was able to experiment with a lot of uh, novel marketing initiatives with hosting tournaments on Twitch and YouTube, um, and uh, really got the sense early on that there was something huge in mobile gaming and especially on the competitive side. Um, and that's pretty much how I got involved in mobile esports. So over that time, I've been um, really fortunate to be in a position to where I can, you know, make some things happen and get the ball rolling on things that um, are somewhat inevitable in the mobile esports industry. Um, it's interesting because you can kind of pair the growth of the mobile esports industry with esports, you know, a decade or two before um, and, and be able to properly guess that certain things might happen. So there's whole categories of companies um, that you've still just you were just now seeing develop in the mobile esports industry. And so um, as somebody that comes from an entrepreneurial background, I always want to continue pushing the boundaries and um, see what we can do to grow this, this industry in the West, because it definitely uh, has a lot of potential and um, seems like it's growing very rapidly recently. Yeah. So what are you kind of working on now in esports? Sure. So uh, I currently work as director of mobile gaming for Complexity. Um, and so I basically recruit and manage our mobile teams and creators, as well as uh, drive initiatives that really position Complexity at the forefront of the mobile esports industry. Um, so I'm sure that we'll be able to dive into a lot of specific things uh, in this this uh, conversation here. Um, we're, we were involved in the Clash Royale League for the first three seasons and had uh, great success there, um, working hand-in-hand -hand with Supercell to be able to develop some of the operational framework for a, a league that was really innovating in, in mobile esports, um, and as well have a strong presence in Fortnite Mobile, which is a game that's uh, recently uh, coming to, to ground as well. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see a lot of kids everywhere playing Fortnite on their phone, so I definitely can understand why it's growing. Um, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit more about the mobile team there. What other games are you looking at? And, you know, how do you go about finding some of these people? 
Definitely. So you had actually had a great introduction there at the beginning. Uh, you, you talked about PUBG Mobile, um, also Arena of Valor or Honor of Kings, as it's known in China. Um, there are a lot of really hot mobile titles right now. Call of Duty Mobile as well is one in the West that's really uh, exploded. It actually had 100 million downloads in its first week, which shattered records when that game launched. Um, they're now up to, I believe, over 180 million uh, downloads. Uh, you also have a game like Free Fire, which was the, the first to have uh, over a million concurrent viewers combined on, on one of their esports events. They actually followed that up a couple months later with another million concurrent viewers uh, combined for another esports event. And then uh, later on, uh, late last year, ended up getting 2 million concurrent viewers combined. So um, it is one of the biggest sleeping giants in esports right now, Free Fire. So that's definitely one that we've uh, got our eyes on. But there are, there's also a, a whole host of other titles that no one is really talking about. Um, obviously, Supercell has Clash Royale and Brawl Stars, but there's also Clash of Clans, which had over a million dollars in prizing for their esports. Time. Absolutely. And so there's a whole host of even just casual mobile games that are starting to discover that uh, esports is uh, something that of huge interest to the players and the fans around the world. I mean, I do have my marble contest of champions and that is my mobile game of choice. So I, I do understand just you know, <laughs> sitting in a taxi and like, let me just do some battles right here. But, you know, it, yeah. They, they... That's one of the things, though, that makes mobile really uh, intriguing to a lot of people is just how accessible it is. And obviously, everybody around the world knows uh, the power of mobile as a casual gaming platform. Uh, but we're just now seeing a trend of more competitive games coming out on mobile and then also uh, the competitive scenes developing. And so this is definitely something that uh, the trajectory is looking good for us in the mobile sports industry. So kind of what are some of the hurdles that you feel the, in the scene is facing right now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so uh, I think probably the biggest challenge that the mobile sports industry faces right now are some of the uh, complexities that come with hosting competitive events and casual games, because a lot of these still in their essence are casual. Um, and it puts the publisher in a really challenging position of how are they going to make decisions in order to grow the game and to use esports as a, a marketing tool in order to drive uh, downloads and increase engagement. Um, and so because you need to tune the esports and the broadcasts in a way that makes it appealing to casual players, you come across some really challenging decisions sometimes that may come at the consequence uh, of uh, competitive integrity or things that, you know, a, a game that is perhaps more hardcore at its heart uh, would not have more issues uh, in uh Uncovering, So um, I think that's one thing that we've seen manifested a few different ways, things like uh, decisions that inc increase the amount of RNG or just randomness in uh, game outcomes, because that's something that, you know, casual games uh, tend to see more prevalence of. Um, and then also when it comes to broadcasts, what storylines are you able to, to inject into the esports broadcast to make it engaging to your audience? And so obviously for uh, some of the premier esports leagues, you really love to see the storylines that are developing between opponents, uh, the players or the, the organizations and the teams, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's much more challenging to build a brand when your viewer is very casual and doesn't necessarily care so much about the competitive storylines. Mm -hmm. um, and so what can you do to tune the content of the esports broadcast itself and then as well as uh, what organizations do in order to adjust their strategy to the market in order to engage and, and bring in that casual fan as well yeah you know i definitely could see like you know tips and tricks and like i could see that whole part as like a segment of this kind of stuff like you know the casual fan wants to learn how to get better and you know would have pros showing you how to get better and 
kind of people that are doing it at the top of the level, like, I think that is the kind of engagement that will kind of work and I hope is kind of the direction of some of the stuff. Absolutely. And, and organizations in mobile are getting smarter about that. You want to do things like make the length of the video uh, shorter, right? Uh, tune it to a shorter attention span. You need to really get to the content at the beginning and, and hold their interests throughout or else they'll, uh, you know, they'll disengage. Um, so th there's definitely been a, a bit of a learning process for organizations in mobile, but uh, we're, we're starting to really crack the code when it comes to that perspective. So what's Mobile Mondays? How did that start? What is <laughs> Yeah, so that was uh, one of the great things that we were able to do in Fortnite Mobile last year. Um, and this actually came at a time before Epic started focusing on mobile-only events. Um, and so we actually decided to you know, take the reins ourselves and try to do something great for the community of Fortnite Mobile players. Um, and we hosted a, a series called Mobile Mondays, which was basically an, a live and online hybrid event that we were able to open up to players all around the world. And um, it was actually fascinating. I believe the final stats were something like... Uh, like 15,000 registrants and, and over 7,000 participants. And um, it was actually just really incredible. We were able to host uh, those on a weekly basis. Um, and then thankfully also uh, Epic came in after that uh, to be able to host mobile only events and, and uh, with the cash cups and gave away about $3 million uh, to mobile esports players as well on Fortnite mobile. So really exciting to see that. And that was definitely one of the roles that organizations have um, is that they have to be able to properly identify what the environment is in each individual game that they're involved in and to be able to adapt their strategy to uh, the ever-changing environment, which is something that obviously the esports industry changes very, very rapidly. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where this is like the entertainment industry is 24-7. Esports is like 28-7. Like, <laughs> like there's extra hours and extra days for what's going on in this kind of shifting world. And, you know, the flavor of last month is probably not going to be the flavor of the next month. And, you know, but then again, there are titles and it, things that are done properly that stand the time, you know, stand time. Yeah, without a doubt. And in this industry also, if you stand still for too long, you're going to get passed by. So uh, certainly the, the tides fade those that are able to adapt quickly and uh, go with the winds. <laughs> with currently no NBA, NHL, MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of sports, esports, events, and games to wagers on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertaining betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit BetOnline website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So what makes mobile esports different than, you know, PC or console driven ones? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, and I've seen this actually as a pretty large theme in a lot of different areas of the mobile esports industry is that those who have had success in PC and console based esports um, approach mobile and they don't really recognize that there are differences. And so they try to copy paste their strategies with how they recruit and manage teams and how they run events and um, even, yeah, uh, event operations companies, they, um, you know, don't necessarily identify early the different nuances that come with the mobile platform. Uh -huh. um, and there are quite a few. Obviously, I mentioned the, the casual aspect of these games, not just from a gameplay perspective, but from an audience perspective. Um, that also, obviously, if you're running a, an event and you want to get attendees there, you have to be able to understand their motivations and their behaviors and how they consume games, um, because there is a large subset that 
just play for fun and, and competitive prizes may not be the thing that actually attracts them to fill seats in a stadium. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so what things can be done to engage that casual audience? Um, other things are obviously the accessibility. Um, so you're not limited by hardware. You don't need to set up PC stations or console stations throughout a venue. People bring their own device and you can actually get very creative with what the format of a, a live event is for a mobile esport title. Um, and, but there are tremendous differences. And what I've really come to appreciate is that there is no, even in mobile esports, there's no cookie cutter model for what works in one game or another. You have to really take the time to understand each individual game, um, the players in it, and especially all the different regions around the world. Because why mobile esports have beca- become successful in different regions around the world even can be very different. Yeah, I mean, they even have different names. So, <laughs> you know, so it's... yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the unique strengths of the mobile platform that, you know, you kind of identified? Yeah, without a doubt, the accessibility is at the top. Um, This is something where everybody nowadays has a a mobile phone in their pocket or within arm's reach. And it is their primary device for how they interact with people, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yes, it has every single app and, and a tool for every need that you'll ever want, right? Um, and it's also your, your primary device for talking with people and interacting, socializing. Um, it's your primary device for sharing content. Um, and so being able to, on that same device, engage with and consume games that you know and love and that your friends know and love, that's something that's really exciting. Um, and so we've been able to see a, a lot of uh, uh, great things in mobile happen because of that. I, I mentioned that the reason why mobile esports have succeeded around the world can vary by different regions. Um, one example of that is in China. Um, mobile gaming really took off in large part because of integrations with WeChat and other tools and services that you can pair um, while making it a natural part of your gaming experience. And it's very similar to what Facebook gaming did about a decade ago where everybody was looking at the leaderboards of where their friends were and words with friends absolutely farmville it took over everybody was on it right and you had to close off your notifications because people kept sending you you know rewards and stuff right um very similar to what you can accomplish in mobile gaming because your social platforms um are on that same device and can actually be integrated into the games themselves but then okay that's how it became successful in china then you look at a country like india where mobile gaming is an absolute phenomenon and the government is still trying to find ways to control and manage it, right? Um, And so what ended up allowing it to really take over quickly there was aggressive expansion of uh, uh, coverage, of network coverage. And so one of the providers there really expanded quickly. And um, for the first time, people all across the country had access to consistent, stable data to where they can play mobile games and engage with people. So um, that just allowed them to, to really leverage mobile as a platform especially as a mobile first country. Um, But then it's different even in countries like the Philippines or South Korea or Egypt, which are some of the highest uh, PC per capita regions um, and the highest percentage of PC gamers in in those countries. And yet somehow mobile was able to overcome even the prevalence of PCs and become dominant uh, markets there. So it's really, really fascinating. But I think when it really comes down to it, it's that accessibility and the inherent advantages of mobile as a platform that has allowed it to succeed in all these very different environments do you feel that like actually playing on it is like different like obviously it's never going to be as fast and processing as you know a high a rig or you know one of these top pcs but is it like a real noticeable difference 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question, right? And so um, on the one hand, mobile hardware is really improving recently. So in my pocket, I have a, a device that's capable of 1440p and 120 hertz, and it, it's with me 24-7, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you also now have phones that have 16 gigabytes of RAM. But at the opposite end of the spectrum, you have uh, light versions of mobile games uh, like PC, uh, sorry, PUBG Mobile Lite and Free Fire, which are designed to be playable and have a really robust game experience on low-end uh, devices. And so that's one of the reasons why Free Fire as a title has really exploded um, in emerging markets like Brazil uh, because of its ability to run on low-end devices. And so you really are still able to get a, a very satisfying gaming experience on these low-end devices. And so it's really fascinating, the technology side, but uh, even the hardware, I think, is catching up very quickly. Um, so what are some of the benefits that the organization gets from having this mobile gaming wing and you know what you're doing over there? Sure. Um, and obviously, you mentioned we are you know, one of the few organizations that have a, a focus on mobile and um, one of the few that have a mobile division. And, and really, it's just the ability to have the bandwidth in order to properly evaluate the environment and to be able to formulate a specific strategy based on our company's objectives and goals and how we differentiate because there are more esports organizations now than ever. And so um, you need to be able to differentiate and find what makes you unique and develop really practical, actionable strategies um, in order to, to do that, especially in an in a area that's moving as quickly as mobile is. How did it kind of come about? Did you kind of like approach the management or were they just looking into mobile or... Yeah, so I actually got involved uh, about two years ago now um, when Complexity started looking at Clash Royale uh, in preparations for the Clash Royale League. And so um, it was just one of those things where at that time I was already reaching out to organizations to try to tell them about all the great stuff that's happening in this game. Um, and I had actually created a, a presentation that uh, I called it like an executive summary of Clash Royale and mobile esports. And I sent it out to pretty much every single inbox I could find in the esports industry. Um, one of those inboxes was Jason Lake. And so when it came time for him to start looking around for uh, how to begin their entry into mobile, um, I, I was able to follow up with him in, in that conversation. And he saw that I'd really been hustling for a while and, um, and basically hopped on a call with him and it just really hit it off. I mean, he's just such a, a great leader for us in this organization and one of the founding fathers of esports. And so to be able to have the wisdom of 16 years plus of experience in this industry um, is, has just been absolutely invaluable for us. So that's, you know, that's a great, you know, advice and example for our viewers out here. Like he reached out to everyone he could find. He was added. He was added. He believed in it. He was passionate about it. And, you know, he found the right person, the right person that was in tune with what the future is. And, you know, two years later, they're obviously doing the right stuff. So, you know, it, I think that that really kind of defines a lot of the esports and professional gaming world is kind of finding your niche, finding what you're passionate and believe in and finding other people that believe in it and see the same vision. And, you know, it's clear that, you know, Jason and, you know, the rest of the organization kind of sees that as well. So we'll yeah. more focusing on the organization. What's it like working under, you know, a sports business legend like Jerry Jones? Like, you know, he's just the Cowboys owner. Like, he's just that guy. 
Yeah, it is absolutely incredible. Uh, so as you mentioned, uh, Jerry Jones and, and John Goff, a real estate mogul, acquired uh, Complexity in 2017. And um, it has just been absolutely incredible having the support of them and the Dallas Cowboys organization. Um, and you know what they bring to the table as well is, is years of experience with world-class uh, sports operations uh, for the most, you know, one of the most valuable sports franchises in the world. Um, and what we've been able to do at Complexity is to really to find ways to integrate um, and, and add a ton of value to us in the esports industry. And so we actually were able to do things like combine legal teams and tap into marketing resources and um, accounting, uh, social media, health, welfare, and, and even uh, partner with the Dallas Cowboys charity organization. So all of these departments uh, with, with opportunities to overlap functionality um, have just been, you know, adding fuel to the fire of, of the great staff that we have here at, at Complexity Gaming. Um, and it's been an incredible experience. Um, and then also even just competitively being able to have our uh, esports players at the facilities because we merged headquarters at the Star in Frisco, Texas. Um, you, you know, you're going to be able to have access to the same player care and medical facilities and uh, even cafeteria with highly nutritionally valuable foods um, available to you. And so that's such a luxury as an esports player. You'll, you'll be having lunch at our headquarters and then look across the room and then there's Dak Prescott eating the same meal, you know, and that is just so uh, motivating as an esports player. Um, but it's been absolutely incredible for sure. Right. It kind of like makes you feel like, okay, like I'm in the same cafeteria as him. Like I'm in the right direction. It's the right place for me. And, and these facilities at the star are world-class based on NFL standards, right. And traditional sports standards. So for us to have that in the esports industry is absolutely remarkable. So I know that there was kind of the development of a new complexity gaming facility. How kind of is that as part of, the star or what is that about yeah it is our headquarters is right there in the star it's the gamestop performance center and um is an absolute state-of-the-art facility that we were able to build from scratch um it has everything that you would ever need as an esports organization um we've got all the the stations set up where you can emulate a, a live environment with crowd noise that we can pump oh, wow, in that's and amazing. Uh, Absolutely. And we also have gaming lounges so you can come in and um, just visit us as a fan because we have public facing areas of this headquarters and you can just you know play games and, and watch streams with us there. Um, it's also obviously the facilities that everybody at Complexity Gaming works out of. So we've got the office spaces there. Um, and actually, it's interesting note, but the very first thing that you'll see when you walk into the GameStop Performance Center is the mobile bar that we have set up. And so we've got you know state of the art devices and stuff. So you can come and play some mobile games as well. So what's your favorite part of the job? You know, I just am so fortunate to be in the position that I am to focus all of my energies on mobile sports because um, we're just now scratching the surface of what's possible for this industry. Um, so certainly my favorite thing is to be able to have an organization that really sees the vision for what this is going to become um, and trust me with the abilities to really formulate a, a comprehensive strategy for us. Um, but I love uh, one thing that I really admire about complexity is that they're an all in type of organization. Um, and so when, when we enter a title, we want to just pull all the levers that are available to us and, um, you know, be able to support players fully as we can, given the star and given the facilities at the GameStop Performance Center and all the resources that we have access to. Um, and we want to do it in, in the right way that's best for the game itself and support the community. Um, and so to me, that is just one of the most satisfying things is that not just can we host players and teams and creators and all of these titles, but do something that is really great for mobile esports as a whole when we do it um, and and to create something that's bigger than the sum of its parts 
Yeah, it's nice. You know, the organization really kind of, like you said, goes all in. And some teams like, okay, you know, maybe we'll, you know, get a little bit into it, see how it is, kind of test the water a little. And, you know, that's kind of how some teams kind of hedge their bets. And, you know, I think that, you know, it has its benefits and its drawbacks. But, you know, it's nice to see a team that's like, okay, like we believe in this. We see a vision. We're going to do what it takes to make it work. And, you know, obviously they're doing the right things when you have – you know, these caliber ownership groups involved in wanting to, you know, work with them. Absolutely. And especially in mobile, we're getting to a point where there are so many games that are huge when it comes to the player bases and the viewership. Um, So we're getting to a stage now where complexity is able to really pull all the levers in a lot of different titles. So um, I'm really looking forward to 2020 here to see what we can do. So that kind of brings us to the end. So what's the future of mobile esports? Where is it? Where is it going in 2020 and beyond? Wow. Well, that's the million dollar question, right? So uh, I could take that a few different ways. Obviously, someone that comes from an entrepreneurial perspective, I have a lot of thoughts on um, where this industry is going and what uh, opportunities there are. And so, um, you know, without giving away all of my secrets, you have to contact me directly to get my my insider secrets, I guess. But um, I I think that we're going to see a lot of different things happen in mobile that is different from the PC and console esports that have come before it. Because um, when you when you have so many things that are different at a fundamental level. I mentioned the casual aspect and the viewership um, and how the, you know, the esports broadcasts and the ecosystem needs to be tuned for the, the, the market. Um, it's just going to end up looking very different. And so let me take one concrete example, which is live events and something that is very important to me, um, something that I would love to try to will into existence here this year. Um, I would love to be able to host a large live event series um, in North America for mobile esports titles. Um, and that's something that we've had you know, a handful of uh, live events in the past, but um, I actually about two years ago ran the first uh, recurring third-party live event series in North America for a mobile title when I ran uh, Mobile Gaming Mondays out of the TCL Chinese Theater. And that was something that I actually designed to be a mobile first event. And so, um, you know, when you think about it, you're not limited by hardware, right? And so you don't need to set up stations throughout a venue. Everyone can be sitting um, on the couch or in a big lounge chair. Absolutely. And so what I did is actually created a format that allowed for that flexibility to be leaned into. And so we actually set up kind of a a carnival or a festival style event where we had stations across the venue, but you could bring your own device up to one of those, engage in a game related activity, uh, complete that, get a raffle ticket or win a prize there. And then you're able to move right on to the next station as part of a a bigger event, kind of like a scavenger hunt or a carnival. Right. So um, that was really, really exciting. And, And all the attendees just came away from that with an experience that was unlike any other. Um, And it's something that you can only get there in person too. Um, And so that's something that I'd love to do at a larger scale as well. I think that that really is the the future of events in mobile. Um, And then especially, you know, you talk about what is really engaging to the different players. There's subsets of mobile gamers, right? You have the casual competitive, um, those that are mid-core. And so you're able to design activities and stations that appeal to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you, you know, complementary to the casual events that we can create at that venue, you can also have an esports competition going on on the side that people can optionally participate in. Um, and so that to me is just very, very exciting. I, I'm continuing to reach out and trying to, you know, put the pieces together in order to make that to happen here um, in North America. But that's something that I'd, I'd love to see. But I think the future of mobile esports events is something that's really exciting and different for sure. 
Yeah, like I can imagine like everyone being in the garden and we all load up on the phone and it's like, okay, you know, we have a 15 minute PUBG round and <laughs> the top 10 people will be displayed on the board and, you know, they move on to the next round and it's like, I just see that happening. And, you know, I've talked with some companies that are looking into kind of the like live event aspect of it where like, you know, when a kill goes down, the whole place goes red or when a bomb explodes, your seat shakes, you know kind yeah. of adding in this extra element where not only now you're watching, but you can actually be a competitor in it where like, you know, maybe there's a round where it's a free for all. And then maybe there's the competitive, you know, the next act is the, the real competitive guys going and you really can really get crowd engagement and you're really kind of part of the show almost. Without a doubt, it's it's more immersive now than esports events have been in the past, right? And what you know, more immersive platform do you have than mobile? So there's so much creativity that can go into something like this, and also pair that with the timing of technology that's happening for just the events industry as a whole, right? With Bluetooth beacon technology, where you can track passively how people you know navigate your venue and create experiences based on proximity. Um, every single event that is happening nowadays, whether that's a conference or a music festival, has a complimentary app. Um, so even the events industry as a whole is trending mobile. And so what could be done to make that type of technology the backbone of a mobile esports event? Um, so there's absolutely just, you know, sky's the limit from that perspective. But I see very few people that are actively really building into it, I think, you know, in a mobile first type of way uh, in, in how it can be done. So I'd, I'd love to see that happen for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of to bring this all together, mobile esports is just going to really continue to grow. And as, you know, more kind of leagues and more teams really kind of take it seriously and understand that yeah you can have India, you can have brazil you can have some of these other markets where there's millions of people that game that you otherwise would not have any access to you know and i think that as it just continues to grow more organizations will identify these opportunities and you know they'll join these leagues and compete against you <laughs> that's right i can't wait for it so i'll definitely keep my field upcoming talent that's for sure <laughs> So, you know, I like to kind of end every interview with kind of my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch? It can be mobile or regular. We have <laughs> opportunity employers here. Yeah. So obviously I, I'm watching every single mobile title. One of the ones that I find myself coming back to that you may not expect is Counter-Strike. I actually love watching Counter-Strike. and I don't play it that much myself, but it's just one of those games that has such a brilliant spectator experience. It's, it's easy to follow. The action itself is perfectly paced. Um, and it's one of the most fun games uh, to watch, in my opinion, uh, in all of esports. So, so happy that Complexity has got a strong presence in that game as well. So what's your favorite game to play? We can do mobile and console. I'll give you both. Yeah, so I always go back to, to Clash Royale. That is just the game that I uh, just started from. You're on like a superstar level. Like, where are you at the game? Well, you know, I can hold my own. You're I was legend, the legendary. <laughs> I was giving our, our pro players some tips all throughout the years, you know, so I could definitely hold my own. Um, the, the players I sign are way better than me, though, and I'm okay with that. But um, but PC, I also just really love randomly just uh, management uh, simulation games. So, uh, you know, things like, you know, uh, soccer management games, or actually I hear that League of Legends is coming out with a League of Legends manager game, so I, I expect to be all over that as well. Nice. So who's your favorite video game character? Mario, Luigi, Pikachu, you know? 
Wow. Um, I would probably, actually, I probably would say Pikachu because Pokemon Yellow was kind of the game that really got me into uh, uh, gaming way back in the day as a kid and um, playing on the Game Boy. And right. yeah, I would definitely say. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And even, uh, you know, the original OG Game Boy before that, for sure. So definitely near and dear to my heart. And hey, also, I mean, now they've got Pokemon Go and they're starting to make a push in mobile as well. So I guess we'll just bring that one. So what do you think Pokemon <laughs> Go is going to develop? Is there like a scene where like you're the gym leader and everyone beats you or like, what do you think? There's Yeah. So they're starting to create more competitive aspects to it. It's still even today um, is is one of the most popular games in the world which uh, is remarkable. There's, there's a handful of titles that have been able to show sustained long-term success, which is hard to do just given, um, you know, the, the longevity of mobile games tends to be shorter, but some people seem to just crack the code. Supercell is another one that does a great job of that. Um, but yeah, Pokemon Go. One, one other thing is um, that I'll kind of end on, I suppose, is that um, I think that the most successful esports event to date has got to be Pokemon Go. Because when that game first launched, just think of how it took over. Everybody was playing it. People were standing on random street corners. Getting hit by cars. (laughs) Yes. Stuff. They had to shut down parking lots and like they completely just over overtook the entire culture in Central Park that all around the world. And so that is what the advantage of the mobile platform is and, and what I think is a great example of the future of the mobile esports industry, which is just completely blurring of the lines of what gaming is and what lifestyle is and culture. And that's something that just mobile as a platform is able to do in ways that others just can't. Um, and so Pokemon Go, absolutely, just just even local, you know, social geographic events like that where you get together with people and just you know just catch this pokemon together and hang out exactly it's awesome so uh definitely definitely excited well you know thank you so much for joining us matt this was extremely insightful <laughs> i'm sure a bunch of organizations out there will maybe kind of see what you guys are doing and take notice so you know thanks everybody again for tuning in make sure to follow me on twitter justin jesq and check apple podcast for all our past episodes love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 